Welcome to After Further Review. Man. That was some intro. Really was. Mark Ferreira, John Pelkey, Episode 4, After Further Review. And uh, again, we continue to be in isolation here. This is Friday, April 10th is when we are recording this. We do have a very special announcement a little later in the show. But before we get to that, uh, and we also have your poll your poll answers, and we have more voice memos to, to play. But before we get to all of that, John Palkey, first yes. off, and Jeff Taylor, our, our esteemed producer. The only one who really happen. counts. Yes, Jeff. the only one who's actually doing any work here. Uh, how are you guys? How are you and yours? Are you feeling okay? Do you feel safe? Do you feel uh, a little anxious economically, health-wise, or are you kind of riding it the best you possibly can? Johnny, I'll start with you. Well, I mean, I don't really feel much different than I did last week, uh, frankly. I guess uh, for those of us here in central Florida, the uh, the only news that's really new news uh, that affects uh, many of us is that Universal announced they would be remaining closed to the end of May, May 31st. Uh, I can't imagine that other entities will be far to follow, uh, far behind that. Uh, so... Let me let me interrupt you right there, if you don't mind. Well, can I just let me just finish the thought? But that really didn't surprise me in any way. So, yes, Mark. (laughs) This is me. You know, this this is the equivalent of me asking questions during the middle of your story. I know. I know. You're you're, you're like the Jay Leno of this show. It's like Uh, I'm trying to tell a joke and you're cutting me off and you want to know. What a, what a, Let me ask you a question now. Before you move on, what do you mean they're not opening May? Sorry. So man. Universal has announced that they're closed through May. Disney has not yet. However, Disney has furloughed as of April 19th or whatever it is mm-hmm. uh, all their full-time employees where Universal is paying them mm-hmm. uh, 100% all the way through the 19th and then paying them 80% after that. They're yeah, not they're furloughing the, the, the full-time uh, team members there, which is un, which is amazing and also very very good news for all those people it is good news for them remember disney's a larger company so i think that might have something to do with it um right. but uh and as far as the furloughing of you know for particularly for a lot of large companies and even smaller companies the furloughing thing is just so people can uh apply for unemployment right and they still cases, get their benefits and all that right right so uh not surprising uh either one of those things neither one of those things are surprising i should say i'm just wondering if disney's going to follow suit and announce that they've been closed through the 31st of, of may uh, but you're they doing will... okay yeah absolutely getting a lot of stuff done ar- around here um and we won't talk about the fact that I had a little medical issue the, for a couple of weeks that held me down. But uh, now, yeah, I'm getting stuff done around keep here. Bringing it up, John. You just keep I'm bringing just, up that topic. What a pain you know? in the ass. No, please. Unprompted. Unprompted. All right. But that, that notwithstanding, uh, getting some projects done around here. My wife and I are binge watching Shit's Creek, which we had started a long time ago and got back into. So that's kind of our fun binge watch and uh you know being in a house with the same person for and no way to get away from them for an extended period of time can uh, sometimes get you people at loggerheads but uh jody and i are getting along well and uh kind of laughing about the absurdity of all of this that's a good place to be i think jeffrey Uh, does anyone ever call you jeffrey by the way my some people it's not my preferred moniker but i it is my name no 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 don't apologize it's the name that my mother chose for me so i i do love my mother enough to accept what she what she did (laughs) all right 
right. Fair enough. Do you do you uh, both of you have significant others? Are you able to read looks uh, as well as I feel I am? Oh, yeah. My wife has been saying to me with her eyes as opposed to her mouth, how do you possibly continue to clean and destroy the garage at this pace? <laughs> I, See, I, I, I keep the ones that I, I keep picking up with my eyes, uh, with uh, Jody's eyes and her um, demeanor is uh, why aren't you doing more? That's kind of the consistent here. Why are that, you not doing more? And that's though that's. That's uh, consistent regardless of whether you're isolated and quarantined yes, or if you're just a good living point. your normal life, right? That's, that's a good point. I mean, that that's sort of the, the baseline look she has for you, correct? <laughs> right. Right. Yes. It, 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 it kind of teeters between what in the hell is wrong with you and why aren't right. you doing more? The good thing, and, though, is that the cleanliness of the garage still matters. So yes. if, if that weren't the case, uh, we may be in a, a worse place. Yeah, and that's what I'm on to now. That's the project uh, of the uh, of the week, and I'll probably stretch it out into two if I can. Is trying to get the garage uh, organized and uh, cleaned up a bit. So that's where we are here. Mark, how about you? You're you're shuttling back and forth between the uh, the lake house and your uh, palatial estate uh, here in uh, downtown Orlando, in, in in College Park, just north of downtown. Yeah, so yeah, you get a lovely you, you area, get two places to hang out. I'm 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 there. I'm at the lake. I'm here, and I'm also shuttling back and forth to Sarasota, where uh, my ex, Bobby's mom, uh, lives. Because Bobby, my oldest, is with me right now, and so um, okay. we're waiting to go back to the lake because t- uh, Trudy, my significant other's uh, daughter, Emily, and her boyfriend Nick have just arrived from New York City. And so, so you guys basically making a mockery of all of this stay-at-home thing? No, they're they're staying, they're uh, quarantining. Okay, and, benefit, benefit of the like, – hold on. They're and staying. I'm not going to go up to the lake until they've – Benefit of the cleared, benefit of the, the benefit of the phrase, they just got into town. They're clearly not staying anywhere. They're moving about the country. They uh, left. To the chagrin of Dr. <laughs> Fauci and the knowledgeable people. They left New York City to come to Florida. Yes, they did. They They defied every – order out there to wow. uh, to to hunker down at the lake, which is, you know, by all intents and purposes, a safer place to be than in the hub of the hub of the epicenter of the of the uh, pandemic. Of course, mitigating all of that safety by just traveling all about the country. Well, again, they camped out. They haven't had any interactions with anyone except for Trudy, and they are isolating in because uh, the house is quite large and there's areas for them to isolate, and that's what they're doing right now. So, you mind, uh, do you mind just uh, stating that address uh, <laughs> so that uh, any so, authorities that may be monitoring this podcast can? Uh, they did. They did take uh, uh, back roads, however, to to get across the border. No, you know, the blue highways. You know, blue highways. Because seventy five, ninety five, and um, I, I think other other larger roads were policed essentially and and basically what was happening at the border was like okay you're coming from new york um fill out this whole questionnaire that promises that you will self-quarantine for two weeks you know so that's that's it you 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 know that's essential she's going back to her to her mother's house that's i mean you you could make the argument that's that that that's essential 
Right, Jeff? Biases work into these things, and most people coming down from New York, I live in a place where it's a secondary home place for a lot of people, so I see a decent amount of New York tags, and they make me so angry. Why would you leave there and come here? Best case scenario, you don't have it, and you're not bringing it down. Worst case scenario is you've made a second epicenter, but... Being your children or your or Trudy's children, I have a bias, and I'm so glad that they were able to get out, out of New York and get down here and avoid whereas, all detection. My daughter, my daughter is still in New York, so she's following the directions that were given by the she, knowledgeable people. She is, yes. So she's my favorite in this she entire is, story but, so but far. She's she's uh you know she's in the. You know, Queens is the most affected borough of New York City, mm-hmm. and um, there is a hospital two miles from her that is literally uh, stories upon stories, Elmhurst Hospital, stories upon stories about how overwhelmed that hospital is. So, you know, she's two miles away from the epicenter of the epicenter, you know, and so but, – but they've been hunkered down for almost four weeks, and they're doing a very nice job. They got food from Amazon. And what they do is they let the the box sit outside. They they keep the box outside. They bring the food inside, and then you know wipe that stuff down. And that's all they do. So I mean they're doing everything right. So uh, I would assume that they're even angrier than I am at the wandering Bruner woman and her boyfriend. Again, she's going home. She's going mm-hmm. home to her mom. Right. So I mean yes. I think I yes. think you can have both thoughts in your head at the same time. Traveling like, nine. Don't though. <laughs> Can I give your daughter some advice, Mark? Uh, Go on Amazon, order a humidifier and turn your heat up to 85 and run that humidifier until you have an inside humidity of about 70. And I hear that's better for you uh, as far as the virus getting indoors goes. Hot and humid. Yep. Hot and humid is what you want. Yeah. And you can you can have the Florida humidity and heat uh, in New York inside your house for the low low price of ninety nine ninety nine on Amazon. <laughs> she may already have a humidifier because she has uh, asthma. See, that's the thing I worry about her. She's got a a pre existing condition that is uh, an underlying condition for this particular disease, and uh, she's in great shape. She's young. Um, and she's out running every day with a mask, you know, she exercises all the time, but, um, and she stays at, you know, at least 20 feet from people when she's out there exercising, but, uh, you know, she does have asthma. And so that does concern me. So she may have a humidifier, but that's a great, that's a great call. So you're telling me then that if I put food stuff, if I've maybe neglected to wipe, um, uh, a bit of food that's packaged in plastic because apparently plastic and stainless steel, the disease lasts, what is it, like 10 years? It just stays on there forever. Uh, and The half-life uh, is a um, million, 300,000 years. That's the half-life. So, so if you put like it in a refrigerator, 14. if you put it in a refrigerator, it's not going to kill it. It, right. it probably thrives there is what you're telling. You got to wipe it down. You got to wipe everything down. We wipe all of our groceries down. You've got to put it as in the do, vegetable drawer. What's that? You've got to put it in the vegetable drawer. Yeah, with the humidity setting up. Yes. Gotcha. That's a joke. I know. Okay. Mark's just wondering wondering now that uh, is is he he at uh, risk? I honestly... uh, 
most of the most of the stuff that you're getting in Florida came on a truck where it was 110 degrees and 110 percent humidity in the back of that truck uh, before it got into the store. So it was already sanitized. The only concern there, though, is the people offloading it and putting it on shelves. So That's true. All, just That's wipe true. down your groceries, people. No, That's I all. understand that. I understand. That's that. it. That's all you need to do. And so we've done that. I know you're getting a little uh, you're getting a little antsy here because uh, having been pointed out to you, uh, the recklessness of others has put you in danger. So perhaps we should move on to a sports topic of some. Well, well actually, we may lose a lot of listeners if we do. Who knows? We may have lost listeners already talking about things that don't relate to them on any level. But uh, ah, I guess I guess everyone relates to everybody at this to, to, point. to this uh, to this problem that we're having. And um, it's it is very interesting to see how people are forecasting the future in terms of sports. It really is. It really is very interesting to see how uh, what the NBA ends up doing. Major League Baseball, lots of reports, multiple reports about plans to try and perhaps have the season in Arizona and uh, major isolation strategies and testing strategies and the like. But do you agree with me that Adam Silver seems to be the guy that I would I for me, I would trust him the most. He was the he was the guy that made the first call, Mm -hmm. you know, four weeks ago to shut down the league before anyone thought, you know, everyone was shocked when that when that announcement uh, happened and he led the charge and he opened the floodgates and to me, I feel like this guy, because when they've asked him about the NBA, because a lot of people are expecting them to have some sort of tournament to close up the season, um, he keeps saying, you know, let me wait. We need to wait. We need to wait till those, there's more information. We need to wait for models to be a little bit more consistent. I mean, he's he, he doesn't even speculate. Right. Well, I God think that brings, up, that brings up a really good question, and that is, as a fan – are you do you prefer the leagues? Because I think people are trying to keep, you know, uh, other commissioners are trying to keep their sport uh, in the news, for lack of a better term, or at least somewhat relevant as we go through this. The NFL has a level of relevancy because they do have the draft coming up. And I guess that there, though, there are people now chiming in that they there they wouldn't be surprised if there's a change made in that as far as date wise, uh, change date wise. Um, they're already going to do it remotely. I think it's probably going to happen on the 23rd. But uh the, the folks who are trying to build some level of hope and saying to their fan base, look, we're looking at this, the Arizona plan, which I think a lot of players have come out, uh, maybe not, uh, uh, maybe they haven't put their name to it, but have said, I'm not really comfortable this many months away from my family. My family's not going to be with me. There are players who have wives that are pregnant and, you know, wait, I can't leave. And no, that's not a possibility. But in, in any case, throwing out these ideas so that fans think, OK, well, they're you know, they're on top of this and they're trying to they, they really want to serve their fan base. Or do, do you like and I agree with you, Mark, I like the Adam Silver thing of, of just maintaining that level of uh, of uh Hopefulness, but with uh, with the caveat that, you know, we we have seen that this has changed literally on a daily basis projections. I'm not going to throw anything out there that I have to then uh, rescind. Right. Exactly. So I don't know about you, but for me, I prefer the Adam Silver uh, approach, as do I, as do I. I. I trust that because he's waiting on the science. He's waiting on the information. He's waiting on these models to finally solidify because they are changing and they're changing in the right directions at this at this point in time, which is a great sign. 
But that could change at any time. You know, no one really knows when this apex is going to happen. No one really knows when the apex is going to happen in New York and in the country overall. And um, Colin Cowherd, as you know, my favorite sports host. You promote uh, him more than our show. I do. I really do. He was making the point that he doesn't think there's going to be any NBA at all in California. And he, he, there may not even be any NFL in California because of the way Gavin Newsom is treating this. And if you remember, Gavin Newsom was the first governor to uh, uh, decree uh, shelter-in-place um, status for the, for the uh, San Francisco Bay Area. He was the first one to do that, like I think the 16th or something like that of March. Yeah. And as a result, California is so far handling this pretty well. And Eric Garcetti, the mayor of L.A., is doing a great job as well. There's 10 million people in that metropolitan area. That's really big. And evidently, they have as many tests as they need for every one of those people to get a test, regardless if they're showing symptoms. Mm -hmm. So California is handling it really well. But Colin Cowherd's point is that the reason why it's handled so well is because they've made these kinds of huge regulatory decisions to get us that far. Unpopular decisions, yeah. It's a regulatory state to begin with. California is you know, riddled with regulations and, and Gavin Newsom is, you know, bringing that even to the next level. And that's the, that's the reason why he's not going to stop because he sees the results. Right. And you're so, bringing up a, a really in- interesting point on that market. I'm sorry to cut you off, uh, but you bring up a really interesting point because, you know, people uh, on the federal level, the president said, boy, I'd like to get people back playing at a certain point. And you've had uh, commissioners, but really the, uh, so much power has been ceded to the states. And whether you agree with that or not, that's a, a, another discussion for another day. But so much power has been ceded to the states that if these governors and in some cases, to your point, Mark, these mayors of these cities say, no, we're, I'm. Then it's not really going to matter much what the. Uh, what the commissioners say. It's, uh, you know, there, there, again, there are so many moving pieces to this. And when baseball put forth their Arizona plan, which was basically a plan to maybe get started, uh, get players out there uh, as early as June, um, all in one place. If you don't know how it works in Arizona, uh, the spring training complexes, I believe, Mark, and you, you've done, uh, you've reported from there, they're no more than 45 minutes apart, I think. So they're oh, very, very yeah, close together. At the most. At yeah, the most. Right. 30 to 45 minutes apart, many closer. Uh, so they could play, essentially play all of the games in a very, very um, small area. Um, but the other parts of that are the, the players would all have to be tested. Obviously, that's at the top of the list for any of this. And then they would all be sequestered in that area and put in a, essentially a bubble where they're all staying at the same places and just going to the stadium, back to the hotels or wherever they're putting them up, and uh, not having any contact with anyone else. Um, not even I, with the players, really. The, the right. whole thing is they would be in the stands, not in the dugout. Right. They would right. be they would be scattered throughout the stands because there would be no so fans. Like a Marlins, so every game would look like a Marlins home game. Exactly. Exactly. It'd be like forty five people in the stands, and yep. uh, yeah, yeah. So I mean, again, just having watched um, on ESPN, Jeff Passan talking about the fact that he had spoken to some major league players, and they were, and, and really to a man, most of them saying, "Well, you know, four months away from my family." Um, 
how is this going to work? What's the they're, they're also union asking about pay issues if this situation changes. So there are a lot of moving parts there. I think baseball probably floated that idea, as I said. Um, I, I think there are some people who are serious about it. I think they came up with what they believe to be a serious plan if things remain as they are with the uh, with the virus situation, with the pandemic situation at this point. But I think uh, in, in some respects, floating that out there to see what fan reaction would be. And so I think Johnny, there's things a lot of negative player reaction to it. Yeah, there is. And so there's a test balloon and it uh, came back. Hey, a, can a I, big fail. Can I bring so, up one more thing? I want to I, I want to bring up one more thing that uh, affects this uh, is uh, that Seton Hall University did a poll of sports fans. Now, it's uh, only 762 respondents. But, you know, people who do these polls, that's how this works. Seventy two percent said they would not be comfortable going back to a large sporting event uh, or a large gathering of any sort until there is a vaccine. Wow. And that's, that's like a year that's away. a year, at least at least yeah. a year. Yeah. So, well, you know what? I mean, a lot of people are talking about that. A lot of people are saying, you know, 2021, because, it, you, you know, basically this thing is going to roll back if it doesn't if it doesn't get semi dormant or extinguished in the summertime mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. If, it, if it does somehow go away uh, temporarily, it's going to come back. And so it, it, we're, we're going to have to deal with this again next winter, next late fall and winter. And if we don't have a vaccine, it's going to be the same kind of thing. Now, we it, it may be more of an echo, more of an aftershock. So it's not going to be as brutal and as deadly, perhaps, and infect as many people because we know what to, what to look for. Right. But in terms of the economy and in terms of the sports world, yeah. well, forget about it. I mean, it's it you know it it it, it can be um, pretty dark to look at in terms of um, you know when we open up the country, if you will, and well, certainly when we open up any sort of uh, engagement of fans at concerts, at plays, at movies, at sporting events. It's I think, amazing. I think the analogy or the Dr. Fauci made, I believe is Dr. Fauci saying, you know, this is not going to be like turning a light switch on and everything and all the lights come on. This is going to be a gradual thing. And that number, that 72% number, I mean, I think if you poll every week, from now until uh, this thing comes to an end, you're going to get different numbers because, again, the the landscape changes daily with information as they learn more about the virus and uh, where we stand as far as numbers of people who are infected and what they know about people who uh, what they may or may not know about people who are infected but showing no symptoms, which are which is really the the, the most frightening thing about it is if someone shows symptoms, you can isolate them. But if they don't, um, then that's a problem. So, yeah, I think this is uh, this is uh, ever changing. But I do think it is interesting. Major League Baseball floated that out there. Um, the NFL, as I said, uh, last week is there are discussions about what if they have to start the season late college football interest, interestingly with the idea that what if we played starting in February? Um, and, uh, it, it's just, we, we, we can talk about it all day, but I don't uh, think we should. I don't think we should. I think we should move on to distracting. I think okay. we should move on to distracting fun entertainment as opposed to relitigate something we all see every afternoon at, at uh, you know, <laughs> briefings. Um, at any rate, uh, I think what we should do, John, we're already 20 plus minutes into the show. I think we should uh, do a little, um, you know, if you missed it last week first, you know, um, previously on After Further Review and do a couple of things. Last week we had uh, the best college football players you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And we also kind of talked about steroids. If we can uh, get one of our listeners, one of our ardent and loyal listeners, 
uh, actually chimed in to kind of catch up because he, he wasn't able to be part of that show last week. Let's take a listen to Stephen Jones. Lads, just a couple of additions from last week's list of best college players you've ever seen. Because I did not hear these names. One, Brian Bosworth. Man, that guy was a holy terror. Kind of changed that linebacker position. And was it still the big eight at that time? Uh, anyway, I also didn't hear Ndamukong Sue, who got robbed from winning the Heisman. Of course, he was on the wrong side of the line for that. You know, defensive guys don't count, apparently. I've heard you talk about a lot of quarterbacks. And then finally, speaking of being robbed, Larry Fitzgerald. Man, that guy, college and pros, absolutely amazing. If you can go back and find the reel that they used for his Heisman nomination, <laughs> it looked like you took the best NFL receivers, best catches of the year, and put it all on top of this one dude. So that was his uh, vote for college football players. Uh, I find it interesting. You know, and it is obviously uh, skewed toward offensive players, John, in terms of Heisman trophies oh, and the yeah. like, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, I think there's an argument that it should be. You know, he, he kind of dismissed how many quarterbacks did you mention? You know, it's like I get that, and I get that, that defensive players are sort of unfairly uh, relegated. And right. that they have to have this, you know, outstanding superhuman year to even be considered for the Heisman. I get it. And well, yeah, it, it, quarterback's got the ball in his hands every play on offense. That's what you know, it unless is. You're, unless you're, you know, wildcatting a play here and there. But, uh, yeah, the quarterback's got his hands on the ball. It's the most recognizable position. And, yes, uh, it, it is overweighted towards quarterbacks and running backs probably because and particularly for right. those of us who are a little bit older i mean we went through the era in the 70s when th there was just running back talent after running back yes. talent yes but uh he i i agree with uh i agree with his overall assessment about that i will say about brian bosworth is uh i think more of a folk hero than a great player i mean i think he was a, a very good to great college player maybe right on the edge of that but he loses points for the fact that in their biggest game against Miami, he really wasn't um, disappeared in that, in that, in that year that he was the folk hero it was 92. Maybe I, it all runs together with those. I think, er, I think earlier than that, was right? it the 80, yeah, probably no, that's an 80 thing. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But uh, he, uh, he really wasn't a factor in that. And I think particularly for a defensive player, you look at a Charles Woodson, who played yeah. on both sides of the football a little. Also, people realize he played some offense at, at Michigan, but he had big plays in Ohio State-Michigan games. Yeah, he did. When it mattered most, he he played at his best, which is right. which is great. And But I, I do appreciate him chiming in, and it is fun to think about Bosworth. It is fun to think about Sue as some of the best players out there. Now, he also pushed back a little bit on our steroids conversation, and especially at you, Jeff, our esteemed producer, with your um Doesn't he know that, that I play agree. these clips? What's that? Doesn't he know that I play these clips? You can't push back on me. <laughs> really, don't never on get on Jeff. Who cares about the two fat old guys? <laughs> exactly. So, you know, yeah, you can you can manipulate them and edit them to your heart's content. But we, we've agreed with you. It's not just Jeff. Jeff has, you know, said over the last few episodes that steroids don't make you uh, able to hit the ball better. It just makes you hit it farther. And Stephen Jones, who we just heard from, 
has a, a, a bit of a different opinion on that. Lads, okay, I have just a little bit of pushback, and I think this is towards Jeff. I keep hearing this idea, steroids don't make you a better hitter, they just let you hit the ball harder. And I can tell you from somebody that's tried to hit a few baseballs, that's wrong. What the additional strength in the forearm and wrists and hands did for hitters is it lets you allow the ball to come deeper into the hitting zone before you turn your hands loose. In essence, because you're stronger for getting the bat through the swing zone, you get to wait longer. And the longer you get to wait, the better you know where the pitch is going to be at contact. Waiting longer is what makes you a better hitter. Being strong enough to get the bat through there is what allows you to wait longer. And that's what steroids did. So, yeah, I misspoke earlier when I said quickness. No, he said just based on the strength, you're able to wait longer. I, I like the point he made, actually. But that, that, no, you- but that is a bat speed argument. Because the reason he's saying that you're stronger, you can wait longer, and if you wait longer, then you have to have a greater you have to have greater bat speed to get to the ball. Well, he was and alleging right. that it's just strength. It's just you have more strength. He's alleging to push that the strength is zone. But he's alleging that the strength, if the strength lets you, allows you to wait longer, then by definition, your bat speed is going to have to be greater. And so I think, and maybe maybe I'm mis, uh, maybe, maybe I'm not understanding this correctly. But I think that is absolutely a bat speed argument. And that would be true if, in, in my mind, if I had seen evidence that it did increase your bat speed. I don't believe, I don't believe that, that speed can be affected like that. I think speed is something you actually are given naturally. I mean, and if muscles had anything to do with speed, then we wouldn't have those guys that win all of those running marathons look like they have 0% muscle. I mean, they, they obviously have uh, uh, a gift to go fast, and they have enough muscle to make it those distances, but these aren't bulky, in-shape guys. They're just very well, skinny, that, very fast guys. That sort, that sort of exercise leads yourself to longer, thinner muscles versus uh, you know, like, uh, powerlifting or something, which is usually uh, a shorter, thicker muscle. But here's where I will. Let me, let, me, let me give you another argument, Mark. Here's where I will say that uh, I think you could make this argument that with the extra strength um, that you might be able, you're, you're, you could be hitting the ball harder ish so that even ground balls are getting to guys more quickly. I mean, we, we, we know that as far as home runs go, the ball is going to travel a little bit further. I think we, and the evidence is in the steroids helps that, but uh, the bat speed argument, I, I, and, and I do believe that was a bat speed argument. Uh, unlike you, the, I, I just don't think that that's a legitimate argument. I think, I think what we talked about last week, the ball traveling further. So what might be a long fly ball ends up as a home run. Um, and uh, the rehabbing of injury issue. It'll allow you to rehab more quickly. All right, that was us revisiting last week, and now to this week. Our poll question this week, as you know, John, favorite players from the sports we listed and the, the sports that we had out there were the, the four major North American sports, then college football and college basketball, along with golf and motorsports. Now, when I put that We've been promoing that on our Facebook Live and Instagram Live, but when I put it on my Facebook page, I just said uh, your favorite players from um, all the sports, or I, 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 it was more, more generic. I didn't limit it to that, and as a result, 
we got, you know, a lot of baseball, a lot of NFL, a lot of NBA, a good amount of hockey, hardly any college football, hardly any college basketball, and a little, uh, you know, and a few golf and a couple motorsports. So I blame myself for that. And I blame I you. It, I, yeah, and I'm sure you do. I'm sure you, I'm sure you would. And I, it's always important to kind of um, fall on the sword first before John Palkey has a chance to, you know, throw you onto the sword because that's not an, uh, you know, a, a fun experience. So uh, as a result, though, I'm, I'm fine with that. I mean, you know, we're going to well, mainly talk you about You're baseball, the one who made the NFL, NFL, and NBA. Hey, I'm fine with the fact talk about anyway. How do you feel about it? Well, I mean, it was just here's here's just 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 for the future, Mark. As you know, I, I put the question up on the after further review page. And when I put it on my own page and I did have it all broken down, all I did was copy it and then put it on my page. So you could just copy off the AFR page and put it on your page if you like. No, so I you don't. Have, so you don't have to come up with uh, a way to word it and screw up the entire poll and uh, have me questioning why I'm going to continue with this podcast right now. Right. I understand that. And, uh, you know, all that all those are fair comments certainly very very fair comments but let's so, get to the poll let's do it. let us do it right now all right so we've got um baseball now we've got we've got a couple of voice memos for this as well we've got and we've got voice memos as well for a uh, favorite game that was the second poll we'll get to that in a bit poll john pelkey and this is what's so kind of fun about that we've got about 30 different respondents and they range now, they range from, you know, Fernando Valenzuela to Thurman Munson to, of course, Willie Mays and and Cal Ripken Jr. Now, I know when we talked about our favorite game that we want to revisit, we talked about that you had to have watched it or watched it on TV or been around when it happened, that you remember it well and that you want to revisit it. Did we do the same thing for favorite players or could it just be favorite players that you've just – well, I don't think I I don't think I, in the um, in when we were discussing it on the pod, I think we talked about, you know, you know, a guy that you saw. Um, and, and the reason I, I didn't think we would have to uh, quantify that or uh, add some sort of an addendum to that is we it's a favorite players. Yeah. And to me, by definition, I don't my favorite players aren't the people that I believe to be the best at their position. Right. I don't think except maybe one or two. They're the the people that the. the, the 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 men and or women, uh, if because we had some people with golfers, we had an Annika Sorenstam, which is very valid. Um, it, it, with favorite players, I would think it would have to be somebody that you've seen. Yeah. It's not like you know. Well, I grew up in Iowa, so Niall Kinnick. Oh my God! Well, he was killed during the Second World War, so I'm not thinking you saw him. Um, yeah, we got a Joe DiMaggio and a, and a Babe Ruth in our. Yeah, list. yeah, yeah. That's uh, yeah. Okay, unless Betty White chimed in, I'm not thinking. Right. That's actually uh, and, that's actually we have a Sandy Koufax as well. And, uh, you know, I think uh, possible that we the people I know, but Sandy Koufax, Koufax is like you were like four or, you know, you were seven or eight when it, did he know, retire? That's, fine. that's, that's OK. That's he retired. Not, that's 67. That's, right? Hey, we have a, a, a wide range. Cal Ripken Jr. got the most, though. He got four. Willie Mays got two. Everyone else got one. We've got Ernie Banks. Oral Hershiser, Thurman Munson, Al Oliver. Al, how about that? That's that's Keith see, Abbott, that, by the way. That, see, that's that's one to me, which is obviously in the, in the pantheon of great baseball players. Al Oliver, very solid, good baseball player, but he wouldn't be thought of as many of these Hall of Famers. But that's a guy that somebody watched, and that's who they were drawn to. 
So to and me, that, that's the yes, spirit of the exactly. question. I know because it's like deep cuts. That's that's John Pelkey. You know, if if I'm you, if you want to say your favorite album, I know you really are, and and you just you really rail against anyone that says one of their favorite albums is is a, is a greatest hits. Oh, it's you know, the worst. You, you, there are only there yeah. are a handful of greatest hits albums that count. Um, the Rascals, uh, Echo and the Bunnymen. There there are a few out there, but mainly if you say your CCR, favorite album is a greatest. Probably is a greatest hits album. Sure, but Green River and uh Willing to Poor Boys, there are some pretty good uh albums as well. But if you uh if it's your favorite album is a uh here's what I it's like being a Yankee fan. You know, Yankee fans aren't baseball fans. They're just Yankee fans. Because if the Yankees aren't involved, they're not going to pay any attention. See, but that's, um, that's and if you're just a greatest stroke. hit guy, if you're just the greatest hits guy, Right. Yeah, but or, you know, or, Bob Dylan or, Greatest Hits Volume Three is a very good album. For instance. Uh, volume Two, I would argue, is the best of those. But uh, yes, there are exceptions to the rule, uh, obviously, in my rule. Uh, but uh, I'm uh, yes, I am not a fan of uh, of the Greatest Hits album. So Bucky all. Dent, Bucky Dent is and Thurman Munson, those are great ones. Ken Griffey Jr., Koufax, DiMaggio, Dave Concepcion. How about Bro, that? Big Red Machine fan. You love that one, Yastrzemski. Uh, Al Oliver, Babe Ruth, Fernando, which is great, Mike Schmidt, Mike Piazza, Jeff Bagwell, Clemente, who was one of my favorites growing up. And I'm old enough to remember Clemente in 71. I, I went to a, um, you know, I saw him live at Candlestick Park, and I our seats were right in the, you know, right field, the, the right field uh, sort of box if you just go right down the first baseline all the way toward the fence. And I saw him get a ball in that corner and turn around, and he wasn't far from me because where I was sitting, and drill it to third base on a rope, and I thought, oh, I've, ne- I've never seen an arm like that, ever. And I'll, yeah, he I'll had, never forget that. That's what, you know, for um, as good an offensive player as he was, that was the thing with Clemente, is that ability to throw guys out um, when you didn't even believe it was possible. And there are stories about guys who just took too big of a turn at first. And he could just rocket the ball in and caught them uh, and caught them sleeping that way. So certainly he sits uh, at uh, the top of the list in in my mind of memorable players of my oh. lifetime. And, you know, uh, in the spirit of watching documentaries and watching classic games that we're all doing right now uh, to, to pass the time and to keep get our sports fix on, if you will. Uh, I just saw I just saw uh, game seven. The last three innings, actually, of Game 7 of the 1960 World Series, which was a classic, uh, especially if you're a Pittsburgh Pirates fan. And back then, during that broadcast, they called him Bob Clemente. Yeah, Bob he didn't Clemente. like that. And no, there's of course the not. Why would when you? He, when he got his 3,000th hit. Everybody on their feet hoping that Bobby gets that 3,000. They play it. You watch the Ken Burns baseball series on that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's really odd that, uh, Mark, and uh, I think it's surprising for all of us that uh, – that there would broadcasters who uh, were um, not particularly, or let me say, tone deaf to the needs of uh, people of color. I know that's it's <laughs> it's amazing actually to tell yeah, you. Yeah, he truth. specifically asked not to be called Bobby, and they did it anyway. I uh, I I mean, it, we have been pretty tone deaf as a country for a long time. I just saw Same Time Next Year, just because it's another movie that I hadn't seen in a long time. I remember liking it with Chevy Chase and uh, Goldie Hawn. And that's from 1980. And, you know, she's a do-gooder lawyer, so she's brought a lot of, like, illegal immigrants into the house to help them. But, I mean, the way they treat them and the way they talk about the Mexicans 
it's unbelievable, actually. Yeah. And the yeah. Indians, they call them Indians. And it's like, I mean, it's 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 amazing that that's just I mean, now, granted, it's 40 years ago, but 1980 seems relatively modern to me. Yeah. And uh, it's it's amazing. So the last three on this were Randy Johnson, Steve Garvey, which is a great one for a Dodger fan who grew up in the 70s, obviously. And Buster Posey, face of baseball in the early part of this uh, last decade. You got to like him, though, John. John, you got to like Buster. I know he plays for a team that is hated. And I know I that like they... I like the Giants. I just can't oh, you stand do? Posey. Really? I love Posey. Oh, oh, wait, I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. Not he just because he's Florida State. State. No, that's the only reason. No, that's not it. it. I think he's... Uh, you know, he's kind of Bosworth-like in my mind. And, the, you know, he's the, uh, the a lot, only, lot, of, lot of hype for very little reason. The only acceptable uh, knock I'll give you on Buster Posey is that he was instrumental in ruining the home plate plays, which yes, really bothers yes. me. Had nothing to do with him. He didn't. He didn't call for it. Well, he just got really banged up and 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 broke his leg. But he he didn't say I agree and we I, should change the rules. I certainly don't agree with you there. I'm certain that he was was very vocal in the fact that, that what evidence is there for that? Jeff? But just 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 seeing how it went down. You know, it had been something that had been happening for a long time. Then this star gets hit and uh, gets injured and taken out for, I believe, almost an entire season. Correct. Wasn't he out oh, for yeah. the entire next season? No, I think he came back the next season because he rehabbed uh, so quickly because his work ethic is second to none. And the but steroids. outside of that, no, he, he, he lost about, you know, I would say four-fifths of the season he was in. It happened, I think, in May. Yeah, it and, happened early in the season. I know that. Okay. And then he was Essentially gone. lost the whole season. And he came back. I, he came back. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't I To don't think, think that there weren't some phone calls made and some – Talk with the GM of the Giants to think that that didn't happen. I, I just can't believe it. I believe that he went in and, and complained and it moved its way up the ladder and the rule was changed and it was bad for baseball because those plays are incredible. And yeah. uh, it's it's it, it was a way to when you were in a position where you were definitely not going to be able to score without there being a play at home. It gave you a chance. I liked it. It was a it was an incredibly uh, exciting play, and you're a baseball player. You're a catcher. You need to figure out a way to get down on your knees and make that play where you're less likely to get trucked the way that he did, where he broke. It was his leg, right? It broke his leg. Yeah, I mean, he's a very good catcher. Oh yeah, it was a fluke. I'm, I'm not going to take I'm not going to take anything away play. from him as a player. I think he's a great player. I think he, I like him as a guy too. I think from the catcher position, I think he was he's one of the greats. He clearly was. He was managing pitching staffs that have three rings. But exactly, exactly. If it weren't for him, guy, you know, if it weren't for him, guys would still be trucking catchers, which I really like. But, I'm going to go as far as to say if it weren't for Buster Posey, we'd be playing baseball right now. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's it. I'm staying at, I'm staying Remarkable. with him. Remarkable. Remarkable. <laughs> All right. Uh, so now we, we, we do have a few uh, folks that chimed in on the uh, the best player as well, but we'll, we'll wait on that. Do, any other thoughts before we go to the NFL, Johnny? No, I just think it's I think it's very, very funny. Uh, well, first of all, I think you need to give your favorite baseball player and I need to give mine. But I think it's very funny. The team I grew up grew up watching the Baltimore Orioles. They have the player with the most votes. And uh, I didn't vote for him. Right. I understand that. You don't care for Cal Ripken Jr. I'm not a huge Cal Ripken fan. 
I, I'm not. I'm not a huge Cal Ripken fan. Right. I never have right. been. All right. Well, my favorite player, I, I, I went went on and on with this for a while, and I thought, you know, it's, it's interesting. It, it kind of rolls a little bit with me. Some of my favorites are from my youth. That just stuck with me forever, and it's always it's almost more of a nostalgic kind of feeling that I that I think about. And then others, I just remember getting so much joy, and just it was appointment viewing. So growing up, Willie McCovey, even more so than Willie Mays, was was my guy. But really, right. when I thought about it, and and am honest about it, and this is going to annoy you, it's it's Barry Bonds, because when he he was he single handedly. Brought that Giants team to where, you know, to uh, an inch of the World Series. And we'll get to that in a second because that's someone's favorite game. And um, and what he did with a home run record for the season and a home run record for his career. And I know we can talk about all the controversy surrounding it. But the man was already a Hall of Famer before all of that. He had 500 stolen bases, over 500. He's the only 500-500 guy out there. He's the only 400-400 guy out there. And he had eight gold gloves all prior to, to this stuff. And those seasons, 00, 01, 02, 03, and 04, and Skip Bayless said it best. It's about the only thing I ever agree with him on. He literally said it's the only time he's ever seen in the history of the game the batter have the advantage over the yeah. pitcher. Yeah. Because he was so locked in. He literally, John, in one season was intentionally walked more than guys like Alex Rodriguez were their entire career. Yeah, no, it, it was remarkable. That's, and in, in addition to that is he's one of those guys that was appointment viewing for regular season baseball games, and there are very, very few guys like that. And, and so to go with it, and he's a, he's a giant. And, and he, I don't and, know why you said I would have an issue with that. I have no issue with he's, Barry Bonds he's, No, he's just because he's great, and you hate greatness. <laughs> no, well... No, I you hate do dominance. hate greatness. I don't hate greatness. I hate dominance. But uh, I have well, no was, problem with Barry Bonds he being was a pretty dominant. Yeah, and and all the stuff with Willie Mays and with his dad Bobby Bonds. You know that just it just it just runs so deep in a Giants fan. Sure, uh, that's val- that's valid and fair. I have no issue with that. How about you, Rod Carew? Oh yes, you've told me that many times. Yeah, yeah Rod. Rod Carew, um, just uh, I always I've never been a fan. Uh, I'm not a long ball hitter guy. I like uh, singles hitters. I like guys who hit for average. And uh, I just I don't know why I glammed on to Rod Carew when I was a kid. Um, and I know Carew from the Angels more than the right. Twins. Uh, right. I think he got to the Angels in 72, maybe. Um, 71, maybe a, 72, maybe uh, a little later than that, but, um, was it, it, any, in, in any case, uh, I, I was more aware of him there and I cut for whatever reason, when I was a kid, as I mentioned, grew up in the East coast, grew up in DC an Orioles fan, but I wanted a, I, I wanted to pick a team in every, uh, division. So I picked an American League East in that time, just American League East, American League West. I, I needed to pick an American League West team. I don't know why. I jumped on to the Angels. I may very well have just liked their uniforms. I was eight years old at the time. It was and 79 when it got there, and that's what was I thought. Was it that late? Was it yeah. that late? Okay. They, they won their first division that year, Okay. the, the, the right. California Angels. So, yeah, he was a, a major so twin, I, but he was still only 33 when he went there. I Yeah, so obviously, you know, memory being what it is for a 55-year-old, uh, I, I probably did know of him in, in uh, uh, when he was with Minnesota. But I will say I came to baseball a little bit later than football as far as uh, I enjoyed going to baseball games when I was a kid. My grandparents took me first game as a Washington Senator game and then an Oriole game in 69 when they went when they won the American League pennant. Um, But I came to baseball. That makes a great deal of sense because I came to baseball really when I got to uh, high school. Uh, 
and I had more patience. Right. As a young kid and growing up in a football and basketball area, centric area, those right. were the sports that you were presented with. And baseball is obviously it's a it's it's a more uh, it's more pleasantly paced, let's say. And your, um, your freshman year in high school was uh, 78, 79, correct? Yes. Yes. And so and so the first uh, season at the end of your freshman year is that great Baltimore Orioles season, which didn't end great because you lost uh, in seven games to the Pirates, but that was a great year for the Orioles. If anybody utters the name Omar Moreno on this podcast, I'm walking off. You mean Kent other Ticolby? than you? I liked Kent Tocolvi. Okay. I liked Kent Tocolvi. He was a guy I really, really liked. I always liked relief pitchers and uh, singles hitters. Those are my, my favorite things. So you I'm like strong. National League Baseball. I do like nationally. I much, much prefer it. I, I think uh, I think the designated hitter has set back uh, society uh, just decades. We'd be playing baseball if it wasn't for the designated, for the designated hitter. Yeah. Buster Posey and the designated hitter are really the reason we're not playing. Yeah, those are the reasons we're not playing. Jeff, baseball. Who, who's your favorite baseball player? Uh, Jeff loves hubris. So Ricky Henderson, my favorite of all time. Oh, I love watching wow. him. I love watching I like him play baseball. Too. But I especially loved watching him talk to the media. <laughs> I, I liked it too. The only thing that the only thing that bothered me, and this normally doesn't bother me, but the only thing that bothered me is when he broke Lou Brock's record. You know, he grabbed the base and threw, put it over his head and said something like, "I am the greatest." And it was like, ah, "We know you're the greatest. You just broke this huge record of Lou Brock's." I didn't, you know, it, nor, that kind of thing normally doesn't bug me, and I like, I like. Guys like him and, you had a and Deion Sanders. What, what's that? John? You don't have to say enough. enough. He wasn't cool. humble at all. No, I don't mind. I don't mind that at all. Like I like, I like you know the people that have problems with like Cam Newton or the people that have problem with Deion Sanders. I have no problems with that. I love that kind of stuff. But that particular action, I don't know. It just rubbed me the wrong way. It was like, okay. what the all heck? Right. Okay. Well, and was he, he was with Oakland then? He was. He had, that was a period when he was in Oakland. I I can't not remember. More, more than he, likely. And you know, you're a you're a San Francisco guy, and there's there's a little bit of an anti-Oakland thing. I don't have the same thing as I don't. I really the don't. Matriarchal have the matriarchal side of your as, as my mom at all. I loved the A's in the early '70s. Loved them. Yeah, my one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite teams. Catfish Hunter would could be another guy who could be one of my favorite baseball players who I actually got to meet. So. All right, so let's do uh, let's do the National Football League. We got some great ones here. Uh, you know, Lawrence Taylor, Carson Wentz, Jim Kelly, Staubach, Emmett Smith, uh, Ricky Williams, Fred Taylor. How about that, Fred Taylor? I John love Stallworth. Taylor. I know you love Fred Taylor. Jake Scott. You can tell. You know, that's Riley. No, I think that's um, I think that's Lisa. Oh, really? Or Jackie? Uh, Dan Fouts, a favorite of mine as well. Uh, Lawrence Taylor. Okay, Lawrence Taylor has a couple of votes. Tom Brady only one. Brett Favre only one. Um, Barry Sanders. Roman Gabriel. Love that. Lamar Jackson. Oh my goodness! Yes, I love Roman Gabriel. Although I hated him at the time because he was a Ram. Montana got two votes. Taylor got two votes. Namath got two votes. Dickerson got two votes. Only two football players got three. Dan Marino and Walter Payton. So I mean, if we're if we're going to kind of distill this to icons that traverse. Fandom and homerdom and all memory. So far, we're looking at Cal Ripken Jr., Walter Payton, and Dan Marino, and I would say that's probably pretty fair. Yes, absolutely. In terms of icons, you know what yeah. I mean? That, that was, you, could, you would have easily thrown those names out as guys who could quite possibly get those votes in even a much, much larger 
poll of, of like this. So, yeah, not surprised by any of that. I like the I like the off brand guys of the Jake Scotts of the world. I know. And the Fred Taylors. Yes. How about Lamar Jackson? Uh, Brian Winnegar talks about that uh, in a voice memo that we will hear a little bit later. But that's pretty interesting to already make that call as your favorite football player you know, of all time. That's well, he, I can, remarkable. I can see where he's a guy that, you know, if you watch Lamar Jackson play, you want to see him play again. You know, that his style of game is certainly a lot of fun to watch, particularly for the youngsters. <laughs> all right. So uh, who's your favorite football player, Johnny? Sonny Jurgensen. Of course. Of course. And I was, and for people who say, you know, oh, and I, how's that not a Babe Ruth? I was 10 when Sonny Jurgensen uh, retired. He retired after the 74 season. And uh, I really started watching football at seven. And um, my father worked at, and this has a lot to do with my dad. My father worked at the White House um, and uh, for, from the Eisenhower administration through Reagan and uh, met a lot of famous people in and outside of politics and entertainment. He did the entertainment lighting for the White House. Uh, he, and he collected some memorabilia. My mom has a, a, a steamer tank full of stuff. Um, but, uh, he, uh, there's only one picture of him with any celebrity on our wall at any point in time. And it was a picture of my dad and Sonny Jorgensen. And I think love that that's, uh, that's and, why he's my favorite and uh, kind of the Dan Marino of his yeah. era. Yeah, the guy, I mean, I, I just saw something on him the other day as well. And uh, just the, the, the ball he threw, yeah. you know, evidently was so pretty and so catchable. And uh, he would just find those guys, you know, and, and place it exactly where it needed to be. He had a real, a real gift. I mean, he played for a pretty bad team for most of his career. Most so. oddly, they were, they were horrible defensively, but offensively, I think they were the first team in NFL history that had three receivers on the same team in the top five in receptions. Charlie well, Taylor, that's a good, the, that's the good late stat. Bobby Mitchell, who just passed away um, and right. was one of the greats of all time, and tight end Jerry Smith. All were they were. I think Smith was fifth, and Taylor and uh, and Mitchell were second and third, respectively. I believe. Um, so that was, you know, they were kind of. I think it, we watched the same NFL films where they talk about that was sort of the greatest show on turf before the greatest show on turf. No, I know it's it's remarkable, and uh, you they know, were terrible defensively. Jurgensen Jurgensen's still with us, which yeah. is uh, which is nice, and he has had a you know he had a great career. I don't know if he's doing it full time anymore uh, with the Redskins as the as the color analyst guy. He's still in the booth, uh, I believe, on radio because I hear him uh, on the Sirius XM feed of the Redskins broadcast. Yeah, okay. okay. Yes. So my favorite is obvious. It's Joe Montana. Um, you know, and, how could it uh, not be? Yeah, exactly. How could it not be? I mean, there's a lot. You know, I, I was very fortunate to have a that great run of the Niners and Jerry Rice could easily be there. And, uh, you know, Steve Young would, would be up there. And, and certainly when I first came to the Niners, I loved John Brody. I love Cedric Hardman. There's a name. Oh, I remember Cedric Hardman from back in the day. Loved him so much. Ken but, Willard, uh, Ken Willard, Woody Peoples are these guys. And these those names? are, those are all early seventies Niners, late sixties, early seventies Niners. So, uh, but Joe Montana, obviously, um, is, is my favorite Jeff. Lawrence Taylor. I Jeff loves hubris and Jeff loves cocaine users, I guess, because Lawrence Taylor, you want to talk about a guy on the other side of the ball that could change games? Oh, yeah. He changed oh, yeah. games. And uh, no I mean, he was so fun to watch. And all uh, all kidding aside, Tecmo Bowl 
the video game really added to my love of Lawrence Taylor because you want to talk about a superhero in a video game. He was a superhero in that video game. If you use the New York Giants, you could sack the quarterback on almost every play. That's like early 90s Tecmo. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Maybe even late 80s. Uh, Let me let me. uh, Bo Jackson, when did he retire? I believe he got hurt. Uh, I think it was the 90 season is when he got hurt. I was going to say back. 89 or 90. I yeah. So, so I think it was late eighties because Bo Jackson was also, uh, Oh no. A, yeah. That's a famous. superhero video on, on that over game. YouTube of people, Bo Jackson, no. just it was, run, Randall Cunningham, Bo Jackson and Lawrence Taylor were all incredible in I, that game. I just love that. That's so fun. But I, you are right, Jeff. And, and this is where I would have a, um, a little difference with, um, Stephen Jones about Brian Bosworth because not that Brian Bosworth wasn't a very good college football player, but I don't think he changed the linebacker position anywhere yeah. near what Lawrence Taylor did. Lawrence Taylor, Jeff, to, to your point, could make a difference in, in a game, any game, but he also changed that position. He changed defenses, and by definition, he changed offenses because well, they he, had he, to prepare right. to try and deal with this guy. Joe Gibbs developed the two tight end single back uh, offense that the Redskins had so much success with in the uh, in the 80s because he had to uh, he had to minimize Lawrence Taylor. He needed an extra blocker in or something extra for Taylor to have to deal with in case he was dropping back in coverage on the tight end. Um, So, yeah, he completely changed the game. And I actually have some uh, I spoke uh, earlier this week with my best friend growing up who played football at the University of Virginia. And uh, he, as a freshman, uh, when he was on the road, he uh, roomed with the starting center for the Cavaliers, a guy by the name of Grant Scott, who was older than Steve. I think he might have been a senior when my buddy Steve was a freshman. And Scott had played against Taylor. And Steve said, just talked about how he was the biggest nightmare that any of them had ever seen. And, you know, and he played much like Larry Fitzgerald, because I agree with you, Jeff, about Fitzgerald and how good he was. He played on a team where he really in a in a conference where he was so much better than the other people in that conference. Yeah, just remarkable. All right, let's just move to the NBA. We I'm, I'm, I'm and I know to, we have to pick up the pace because Mark's we, we do. About time. We, we just we just go on and on and on, John. We just really do. I mean, I someone's going to look at well, the we podcast. Have nothing else to do. Episode four, they're going to see one hour, 30 minutes, and then just going to go, ah, it's just too long. They're just not going to listen. Put it on if in the background. See... It's like a baseball game. Check in every now and again. <laughs> that, that, that's a good point, actually. If it's 45 minutes to an hour, they'll go, you know, I can do this. That's right. that's digestible. All right. All right. So the NBA, we've got um, folks that just got one vote. Steph Curry, Larry Bird, LeBron, one vote. Patrick Ewing, Dr. J, Marcus Johnson. How about that one? Bill nice. Russell, Udonis Haslam, Sidney Moncrief. Love Sidney Moncrief. Barkley, Juan Dixon. It's <laughs> a Maryland fan right there. That's right. That's a total Maryland guy right there. Juan Dixon. Kareem, obviously. Dwayne Raid, Shaq, Malone, and Stockton. That was a vote for two in one. And then Magic got two. Jerry West got two. And Michael Jordan got six. So if we're if we're talking about the icons, it'd be Cal Ripken Jr., Walter Payton, Dan Marino, and Michael Jordan. And I don't think anyone would have a problem with that. Very, very little surprise there. I'm all good. I don't what even know is, if we have to talk more about those. Who's yours? George Gervin. Ah, very the nice. man. Only poster I ever had of an NBA player was the George Gervin poster where he's sitting on a couple of blocks of ice wearing a, a gray uh, sweatsuit. 
and palming two uh, gray basketballs. Uh, it, you, you, it was a great shot. You can I'm sure you can look it up online. But I just love the way George Gervin played. I love the yeah, way that's he played. a that. That's a great one. Now, now, growing up, when uh, you know, I was a goal, I was a Warriors fan, and they moved to Golden State. They moved to Oakland, which was problematic. They used to be the San Francisco Warriors, but, <laughs> but Nana first, stopped watching. The first year they did that is, is when they played the Wizards in '74. Uh, the Bullets, actually, at the time, okay. and yeah, um, and they swept them, and I, that was a great series. And I loved Rick Barry, and I really kept thinking he was my favorite player until. <laughs> You know, until I um, un- until we we were at the club for a, a few years and and uh, at around that time is when Jordan was really, really coming, you know, b- becoming just a legend. You know, we got to, I got to the club in 96 and this was his second run now with the, with the Bulls. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, John, uh, you know, I, it, it is Michael Jordan and it would be the seventh vote for him. But I adored watching that guy. Oh, me too. I, loved it yeah me it, too. it was Absolutely. it was like such a good feeling because you just knew he was good you know you never you, you were just were always excited you were rarely nervous and you know how i am with sports i'm a nervous nelly and um but with michael jordan it was like just pure excitement because you just knew he was going to find a way to win yeah i and i think uh he, one of the Someone who could have easily actually fit into this, and, and Frank, frankly, if he hadn't played for the 76ers, would have been Dr. J, because he was another guy where, I, you know, if the 76ers were playing the Sonics, and I had no, uh, I, I have no dog in that hunt whatsoever, I'd still watch it because you want to see what Dr. J did, and, and right. Jordan, Jordan was that, and probably a more well-rounded game than, than Dr. J. And we have one, one vote for Dr. J as well. How about you, Jeff? Dennis Scott. Because I followed him from Georgia Tech. He became a Magic player, which is my home team that I love quite a bit. And uh, I watched his entire career. I got to meet him after he finished his basketball career. I have the only autographed hat in my collection is a Magic hat signed by uh, Dennis Scott to Jeff. And uh, so he's my guy. Beautiful. All right. So let's uh, quickly do the NHL. TJ Oshie. Oshi, Oshi, come you. on, guy. Uh, yeah, come on, guy. I, capital. Yeah, but uh, yeah. also, also uh, the USA team. Uh, incredible finish in the Olympics. He shot. I can't remember how many uh, pe- uh, uh, penalty shots he shot to 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 win it in overtime. But it was a lot. They went a lot of rounds in it in the Olympics. At a certain point, you can just send the same guy out there. And they kept sending him out, and he won the game against, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the Russians yeah, to go the to the Russians final. Well. And uh, so he's Mr. USA as far as hockey goes right now. All right, we'll move along, though, because Mark uh, hates uh, the uh, the Olympics. <laughs> I, do. I don't hate it. Sidney Crosby, we got uh, Ovi. We got to vote for Ovi. We got to vote for uh, Brodeur, Messier, Bobby Hull, Bobby Orr. Uh, John uh, Van Beesbrook. Van Beesbrook, uh, Vashon. Ro- is it Rogi uh, Vashon? Rogi Vashon, Tony Amante, Phil Kessel. Oh, Kessel, love it. Phil see, Kessel. See, hockey fans just they, they, more yeah. deep cuts. I love that. Gretzky gets two, Lemieux gets two, and Bobby Bobby Orr gets two as well. And uh, how about you, John? Who's your favorite? Uh, ben Gustafson. All right, Ben Gustafson. He's on a Greatest Hits album. 
was when Ben Gustafson is, is, I assure you, not on a greatest hits album. He was a Washington Capitol in the late 70s into the early 80s. Uh, and I got to go to a lot of games uh, in that uh, era. Um, and he was also the ca- uh, the coach of the Swedish national team. But uh, on, on Washington Capitol teams that were uh, generously mediocre that I started to uh, go and see, he was a guy who stood out. And uh, and I liked him. And we went down as kids uh, on the ice after, I think, the final home game. You could go down on the ice and get autographs and everything. And uh, he was really cool, too. And uh, so he has remained. He was the first NHL player uh, from the Caps that I really, really glammed onto. And normally I like goalies, but Ben Gustafson's my guy. Well, goalie's my favorite. Dominic Hasek. Yeah, as a Caps fan, I can't get behind that. I understand that. But when I first started coming on to hockey when we were at the club, because I really wasn't a fan at all. I mean, having the California Golden Seals as your team growing up, you know, you automatically are not a hockey fan. Um, and right around that time, he was leading the charge for the wing, Red Wings. And I loved the Red Wings. I loved Scotty Bowman. I loved that team. And um, and I apologize. Again. I mean, I, I understand that. Ugh. I get that. But Dominic Hasek for me, which is, um, you know, that he's it, it's he's not fun in, to watch, not inexplicable. And I love the fact that he was drafted 199. That was a lot of fun. How about you, Jeff? Well, Tom Wilson is my favorite hockey player. Uh, I know it's crazy to go with a guy that's still young and playing, but uh, he Uh-oh. he is the last goon. And the only reason why he's capable of continuing to be a goon is because he's also a very good forward. And uh, I've watched him since he was a kid coming up with the caps. And and I I love me some Tom Wilson. He will beat you up. Yes, he will. Old school guy. Yes. All right, Johnny, why don't you uh, why don't you bring us through our college football and college basketball? Greatest or favorite. I'm having trouble accessing our list. Oh, okay, I'll do it. College football, we only got four. Aikman, Manziel, Capaletti. That's yours, John. I've got, I've and, got, a, I've got him now. And Devin Hester. Who's your, who's your favorite uh, college football player of all time? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, mine is actually Chris Leak. Wow. Okay. Florida quarterback wow. Chris Leak. Uh, when Chris you Leak, were there. What's that? When you were there. Oh, no, I'm much older <laughs> than know, that. I dude. know, I know. Uh, Chris Leak, uh, because he was a guy who I just liked the way he went about his business. And he was reviled, I don't think is too uh, strong of a term, uh, roundly criticized for a long time at Florida. I think he started for three seasons and then was able to uh, to win a national championship in his final season. I just like the way he carried himself. I like the game that he played, uh, stayed within himself, wasn't flashy. And uh, yeah, I just Chris Leak is a guy I have an immense amount of respect for. Cool. And uh, and I liked his game. He handed the reins off to Tebow, and that was when Tebow was kind of playing a fullback position. Was when Leak was the quarterback. Well, Tebow was correct? a freshman. Tebow yeah. was a freshman in Leak's senior year that year that uh, the Gators won a national championship, and they yep. used him. And they had packages that they used Tebow uh, as a quarterback uh, and in Wildcats and a lot of different settings. But yeah, but Leak was the guy who uh, took you know, probably eighty-five to ninety percent of the snaps offensively for that team. And uh, yeah, I, Chris Leak's my guy. Yeah, I loved him. I loved him too, and I lo- I like that Florida team a lot. A, I think he's a coach now as well. I have to look that up. I think he's coaching, which doesn't surprise me. Mine's Jim Plunkett. How about that? Good Jim one. Plunkett won a Heisman in 1970. Uh, it was the first time I followed college football at all it was Stanford. 
They were known as the Stanford Indians at the time before they changed their name to Cardinal. Um, yeah, being Californian, you know, ahead of the uh, political correct curve. <laughs> and um, uh, just, you know, I've seen a lot of great college football since then and a lot of great players. There's no doubt about it. But he just remains for me, Jim Plunkett. All right, Jim. We like Jim Plunkett, too. How about you, Jeff? Jeff likes hubris. Jeff likes cocaine users. And Jeff likes catfish. So, Manti Tua. Manti Tua, is that his name? Manti Teo. Manti Teo, my favorite college player. The guy Notre that Dame. got Notre Dame? Yeah, he he's got catfished. He's I loved it. User? No, he's catfish. He got catfished. Yeah. All right, Manti Teo, good player. Yeah, he was a great player. And unfortunately, that kind of brought him down. He was, yeah. uh, he, he, I guess it got into his head a little bit. And, and uh, is he still playing or is he done? Yeah, he was with um, it was San, San Diego, Diego yeah. for a bit. Now Los Angeles. Okay, so he's still I, I, I think he's still. I think he's still playing. Okay, good. Junior Seau maybe for for a bit. I'm not sure, but um, yeah. Junior Seau is, was one of my favorite NFL players too. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of, I think the Chargers are in a nice position right now if they get a a good quarterback and they uh, you know I think they'll have a chance to get a good quarterback in the draft and uh, according to everything I hear and read. They're pretty loaded. They're pretty Stay ready. on point. Stay on point. College basketball. Bill Walton <laughs> and Cherokee Parks is our Yeah, I can, I can access it now. The, who, the Cherokee Parks one, come on. Come on. That was Ann. First Macklin. of all, Duke. Ann Macklin. First of all, Duke. Can't, I know. Can't, can't get behind that in any no, way. I know. No one can. And Cherokee Parks? God, if you, if you, I, I'd, I'd have had less problem if, you, if, if you'd have gone with Leitner. I love Bill Walton, though. Yes. How about, how about you, John? Your favorite college basketball player of all time? Ralph Sampson. Ah, yeah. As a Virginia fan, stayed years. I mean, they never, uh, they never won a national championship, but in the discussion, and it was great. Uh, it was always great to watch him. Patrick Ewing would be was was there as well because I was uh, living in the D.C. area when he was at Georgetown. I got to see him play live, maybe more than Sampson, uh, but I saw them both play live. Um, but yeah, Ralph Sampson remains my favorite college basketball player. Well, Larry Brown uh, coached the UCLA Bruins when I was there in 80. They were, they were not a good team, and he somehow willed them to get to the championship, to get to the final game against uh, Louisville, and uh, they lost. But ever since then, I really liked Larry Brown and, and what he did with the Nets, what he did with the Pistons, what he did with Kansas. He was remarkable wherever he went with the Sixers. He could right. do college. He could do pro. So he's, you're picking a coach. He's under. Favorite? He's underrated no. as he also played. He's he's underrated as a coach. I think he may be one of the best of all time. I he agree. Played at North and, Carolina. Actually. And because yeah. of how much I liked him, I loved that '88 Kansas team. And so I'm going to go with Danny Manning, <laughs> who maybe uh, single-handedly won a national championship. The aforementioned Rick Barry's son, Scooter Barry, on that team as well. But that was a that was yeah that was a team. That they always say you have to have a couple of stars. I mean, that was a team where he was talk about a guy who was uh, a man yeah. among boys on the court. And, and again, John, it's that whole thing. Like when it mattered most, this yep. kid just stepped it up and yep. just won this thing. And they were not favored. You know what I mean? They were not favored to win the whole thing. I don't think that you're going into that tournament. So you know, it was in, really pretty fun. In, in my top ten, Mark, uh, there was actually a UCLA backup guard. That talk about stepping up uh, in uh, in a tough situation. Uh, who would have? Who, who's in my in my top ten? Maybe as high as seven, six, possibly. And that's Cameron Dollar. Bruce, Cameron, Bruce Winnegar is going to love that. 
Cameron Dollar uh, took over when Ty Edney, uh, who was uh, the starting point guard for the UCLA team that won a national championship uh, a number of years ago, he uh, Edney got hurt and Dollar had to come in and start at point. I think he was a sophomore for UCLA and played very, very well. And I, I it's just a great story. And it's one of my favorite college basketball players. Uh, I think we've learned something that when we ask a poll question, maybe limit it to one (laughs) and uh, we can get through it a lot faster. But speaking of UCLA, Bruce Winnegar, my brother-in-law, Uncle Bruce, known as Uncle Bruce, the character Uncle Bruce on After Further Review, uh, he chimed in with his favorite players. And if we could follow that up, Jeff, with uh, Brian Winnegar's favorite players, I think we'll get a big kick out of it. My favorite athlete in uh, the three major sports, which are the three that I've watched primarily, baseball, football, basketball. Uh, My favorite baseball player of all time was Steve Garvey. My favorite football player of all time was Eric Dickerson. And my favorite uh, basketball player and favorite athlete of all time is Magic Johnson. Obviously, I'm a Los Angeles guy. (laughs) Gentlemen, Brian. Brian here. Mark's nephew. This is my list of my all-time favorites at each sport. Number one, the NFL, Lamar Jackson. I only need 22 games. The way he dealt with that unwarranted criticism, he's a running back who plays quarterback. I wonder where that came from and why. Uh, And turned that into a unanimous MVP season. And in all accounts, seems like he's a great teammate, you know, and a great guy. NCAA football, Johnny Manziel, perfect mix of on-the-field and off-field drama that I, frankly, crave. NBA, despite our recent falling out, still LeBron James. NCAA basketball, Kenyon Martin. Hell of a 2000 uh, run with the Cincinnati Bearcats. Ended, unfortunately, with a broken leg in the conference finals. Major League Baseball, big unit. Rainey Johnson, 6'11", lefty, throws 100 miles an hour, filthy slider, loved watching him pitch. NHL, well, you know, I got kind of lucky and kind of stumbled upon this one. Happened to move out to Pittsburgh uh, the same year they started their uh, back-to-back Stanley Cup championship run, 2016-2017. Phil Kessel was a a stud during those playoffs. I watched them uh, just like the rest of Pittsburgh. I was kind of forced into doing that, but I enjoyed it. Uh, Phil Kessel was my guy, so he's, he's my dude. Golf, you know, I mean, who else would it be? You know, I'm going with the most polarizing charismatic, must-see TV superstar of all time, Ernie Els. Just kidding. Tiger Woods. Uh, Motorsports. <laughs> Travis Pastrana. If he's got something with wheels and a motor, Travis Pastrana, he's driving it. First to land a double backflip, competed in motocross, rally car, NASCAR, monster truck, everything. The guy's a stud. Before we end here, I wanted to, to mention, I don't know why you left it off, but the fifth major American sports league, the WNBA. Um, you know, I like to take a crack at that, you know, and I think I'm going to go with. And on top of that, all that she has done post-career has been incredible. You know, she's truly one of the greatest to ever do it. All right, guys. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much. Love the show. Love what you guys are doing. You sound great. And uh, I'll take your thoughts off air. Thank you very much. Hilarious. Hilarious that, uh, you know, suddenly just didn't have the WNBA player once again <laughs> throwing women's sports under the bus. Oh, you boy. Brian Winnegar, love to do that on After Further Review. That's, a, that's no idea what you're talking about. Favorite path. All right. So, you know, we're one 
what are we, 115 into the show. Yeah. We still haven't done the greatest game. So should All we just right, well, let's, Can we just quickly wrap up the uh, the last one, which is uh, golf yes. and motorsports? Yes, sir. Uh, we, we didn't have many motorsports. Uh, we got a one uh, Mario Andretti and the, tech, tra- the aforementioned Travis Pastrana. And uh, I chimed in with a Mario Andretti as well, but since nobody wants to talk about motorsports, we'll blow me too. I would say well, me too. Dale yeah, needs a vote. That. I'm throwing in Dale just for one vote. Yeah, I have no problem with that. It's just Andretti could win. He Formula One champion, uh, won the Indianapolis 500, yep. won a num- number of uh, of races in IndyCar, won the, won the Daytona 500, uh, some sports car championships, 24 hours of Le Mans, I believe, as well. Sebring, he just, he, no matter what he drove in, he was a championship driver. So giving, that's why I go with Andretti. Giving you all of that, he was still intimidated. By, by, uh, uh, I, he, Mario Andretti, not intimidated by anybody. <laughs> I assure you. And then golf, uh, for it's Tiger Woods for me. Me too. Yeah. Okay. I don't think we need to talk anymore about that. Lee nope, Trevino for me, but because of personality again. Who's that? Lee Trevino because of personality. Oh, I love Lee Trevino. He would, if, if not Tiger Woods, he would be my, he would be the guy yeah. for me. Yep. Me too. Love Trevino. Love Trevino. I loved Johnny Miller at the time, and then he kind of got weird as an analyst, but I loved. I love that like he would say what he thought as an analyst. I have to give Miller credit. It got it. It did wear. I get it. But uh, I, I love when Miller would say just a guy screwed it up. He was not an apologist for other golfers. All right. Now we're talking about the best game that you'd like to watch again or revisit again that you had some sort of connection with. Let's start with a voice memo on this one with Tom Reno talking about a game uh, that next to the 1990 championship game between the Giants and the Niners, I would like to forget. This is Tom Reno now talking about my favorite game. Well, Marky, you uh, you can stop listening now if you really have to, but here we go. Game six, 2002 Baseball World Series, Angels and Giants. Man, Angels down, I think it was 5 nothing in the seventh. And uh, uh, Russ Ortiz on the mound, pit, pit, pitching great. The wheels fall off. And part of the issue of the inning was, uh, I think the Angels hit three balls out to uh, uh, Bonds, who was so roided up that he couldn't even get to any ball that was hit to him. I mean, he got to nothing out there. He looked horrible. Um, Of course, Spezio with that home run. Um, But Gloss, I think, capped it off and went ahead with a double off the wall. And then uh, Troy Percival came in and shut things down. But... Game six, and then, of course, game seven was pretty darn good, too, because the first time my Angels won. But that game six, I remember just jumping up and down, jumping off the couch and yelling at the top of my lungs. So greatest game. I could watch it over and over and over. Game six, Angels-Giants. Thanks, guys. It's been fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Twisting really the knife. I get that. In Seriously, twisting the knife. Man, that was rough. Because the Giants, again, had one a World Series either in San Francisco. They hadn't won anything, and they were up 3-2, to two, and they were up 5 to nothing in Game 6, wrapping this baby up. Bonds had homered, you know, and uh, Russ Ortiz in that three-run homer. Seriously, when I saw that three-run homer by Scott Spezio, that guy. Um, <laughs> the Jim uh, Larritz of the season, of the series, I should say. I, I just hung my head. I knew it was over. And they still had a two-run lead. I knew it was over at that point that's, in time. That's one of the great things about baseball, though. You can feel momentum. Ugh, rough. Yep. 
Uh, we also obviously have, you know, the, that that's a pretty classic game. We also have Game Six, of the '86 World Series of the Mets and Red Sox. That's obviously a classic game. Uh, the Olympic, the Olympic, uh, whatever that was in 1980. I'm not sure. Miracle some, on some, ice. Some sort of greatest something. Olympic moment ever for the United States. Second greatest moment. Oh boy. Uh, I mean, come, come on now, Jesse Owens. No, we're not going to showing up Hitler. Discussion. Come on now. We're not going to have this discussion. Uh, game six of the 80 World Series is the Phillies. It's Joe Candelora. You know, that's when they, the Phillies won their first World Series ever in their history, beating the Royals. John. Boy, that was a, that was, I, I hated both of those teams. John, can we agree that if Jesse Owens had beat up Hitler, he would have definitely been number one? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Okay, good. It's not an Olympic sport. That would be odd that he would boxing, be something outside boxing, of the, boxing. the, the sporting could have event. boxed so, Hitler. Uh, game two, this is from a Dodger fan. Two of the 78 World Series. Now, that that series between the uh, Yankees and the Dodgers, the Yankees ended up winning that. Mm-hmm. But the reason this guy loves that game, John, and you remember this, and I'm sure, well, I don't know if you do as much, Jeff, but that was when Bobby Welch, rookie, comes in in the top of the ninth inning and strikes out Reggie Jackson on three pitches to end the game. What year ben was on. this? What's that? What year was this? 78. 1978. So, yeah, I was so, three. this is game two. Yeah, exactly. You, you look into Bobby Welch, uh, given what you mentioned you enjoy out of a player, uh, one of those is going to figure prominently in Bob Welch. All right, good. And not Fleetwood Mac guitarist, former Fleetwood Mac guitarist, the late Bob Welch. This is former Dodger pitcher, the late Bob Welch. Okay. Yeah, he's dead too. That's right. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Yep. Yep. So um, we got a Jet Steelers first game of the 75 season, which. The only reason it's memorable for this person is because it was their first NFL game. But, that works. Uh, yep, it does. The 94 Jets-Dolphins fake spike game, that's pretty iconic. I was in a bar, uh, actually Joe's Deli in Gainesville, Florida, watching that with uh, Riley Claremont, a, uh, oh, a character right. on this show. Was We were in Gainesville to see the Rolling Stones uh, Voodoo Lounge Tour. Sure, 94. There you go. There's three games that involve the New York Jets, which I find stunning. Wow. Uh, the the other one was the 09 Monday Night Football game with the Dolphins and the Jets when Ricky Williams and Ronnie Brown were, uh, I think, kind of running that wildcat and stuff like that and having a great, you know, Dolphins kind of coming up off, off the schneid that year. Um, had a great year. Uh, the... Oh, okay. Now, here's another one, John. The Orioles and the Yankees. This is game two of the 2012 ALDS, and that's when Showalter was uh, managing the, the Orioles. Yep. And uh, they won their playing game. They lost the first game to the Yankees. This was the ALDS. And then they uh, – and he, and the, this uh, this guy said, who's a Maryland guy? Who's the Juan Dixon guy? Mm-hmm. Uh, he, um, he said that he'd never seen Camden – he's never been in Camden Yard that was that loud. Um, two years ago, 2018, uh, Monday Night Football game between the – Chiefs and the Rams. Remember that, that was amazing. It was amazing. 81 World Series. Same. Uh, this is another one. Game four of the 81 World Series. This reminds me of the Larets game a lot because with Larets, the uh, the the Braves or the Yankees actually are down two to nothing. They go to Atlanta. They win game three and then game four. They're down, I think, six nothing at one point or at least six three. And then Larets comes in there. One swing of the bat ties the game up and the entire momentum of that series was changed. Well, in 81, it's the it's the Yankees and the Dodgers again. And, of course, the Yankees beat them twice in 77 and 78. Now they're back in 81. 
and the Yankees storm out to a 2 nothing lead. Dodgers come back, win game three, and in game four, they're down. You know, they're down like 6-2 to two or something like that. Jay Johnstone comes up. You know, wow. the equivalent of Jim Larritz of the day. Right. I mean, right. in a lot of ways, right? Guy put in a number of years in Major League Baseball, but was not a not a star. Johnstone, uh, known guy because he had great personality, went on to broadcast after his career. But yeah, yeah, he just, uh, you know, an, another guy on the roster, essentially. And uh, he hits a three-run home run and, and uh, turns that series around. Game uh, six of the 77 World Series, if you're a Yankees fan, that's the game Reggie hits three home runs. Pretty iconic. Uh, the debut game of Bill Parcells, Janine, one of our uh, most ardent followers. As a Cowboy head coach, we should say. As a Cowboy head coach. As a Cowboy head coach between Dallas and Atlanta. They lost the game, but she she loved it because of that. Okay. Uh, we got a game seven, Johnny, of the, you were there, I think, Eastern Conference Finals of the Magic and the Pacers in 95. Games. Yeah, that's probably the most memorable live game that I've ever uh, been at. There are a couple of Florida games that, uh, but yeah, I was at game seven of that Pacer. That's the loudest I've ever heard any arena. Hey, uh, Jeff, were you at that game? No, I watched it, though. Okay. Game one of the 88 World Series has to be, uh, that's L.A. and Oakland. That's that's Kirk Gibson. To, to me, that's. I mean, would you say that's a top five World Series moment of all time, John? I would. That at bat? Uh, yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know how you could argue otherwise. Yeah. Just remarkable. And, of course, I'm, I'm you know, I wanted the Dodgers to lose badly. And they were not favored because they didn't have that good a team. And Oakland was a juggernaut. They went to three straight World Series in that era. Uh, but, you know, couldn't do it. 2016, of course, Cubs fans, Game 7. That was an amazing Game 7, Cubs and Indians. That, Great stuff. That got two votes. Oh, uh, I mean, it goes into, you know, goes into extra innings. Unbelievable. Rainstorm, you know. Would have been better it, for Raja history. Davis? Would have been better for history if the Indians had won, but. Oh, good Lord, no. Oh, I don't think so. Jeff, I, do. I don't I, think so. I, because the Cubs could have continued to be the lovable losers. I mean, they lost that <laughs> moniker. Uh, Something nah, that had been had there to... forever. I, I, I really honestly wish they would have lost that World Series. Uh, no, they had to pop that cork. I, mean, I watched the Cubs for a yeah. long, long time. And they, no, that was, that was amazing. There, there was so much heartache in that history of, of losing and choking, including 03 with, uh, you know, Moises Alou against the Marlins of all teams. And... Um, <laughs> Over and over again with the Cubs, that fairy that fairy tale had to end the right had had to end the right way, you know. After a hundred plus years, I wish the Indians um, would have won. <laughs> the uh, the Super Bowl forty two Giants Patriots that's a classic. Patriots going in eighteen and zero, Giants upsetting them. We got an Eagles you know Eagles fan loves that game. That's well, that was a great football game. That, it really was, John. I saw that with you and with the aforementioned uh, character of the show, Riley Claremont, uh-huh. and. Uh, that was unbelievable. There was one punt in the entire game. Does no, that Eli was, Manning that was an incredibly did, good football game? Does Eli Manning get into the Hall of Fame just for being zero and uh, two and zero against Tom Brady in Super Bowls? I think he I, does. Yeah, I do too. I think eventually I think he, he does will. In both those, Jeff. Say again. No, no. In the history of the game, nobody in the history of, of Super Bowls who have won MVPs is not in the Hall of Fame. I think by virtue of that alone, what and he only, did in those. But there is history of one guy uh, who has two Super Bowls not being in, though. That's true. It's Jim Your Plunk. favorite college football player, Jim Plunk. Yeah, right. he didn't win two MVPs, though. But, yes, you're right. He had two. And then uh, Niners-Bengals, that's uh, my mom, Super Bowl twenty three. Sure, why not? Great football game. And um, 
Uh, you know what? We didn't get her. Uh, we didn't get her favorite players. And um, yeah, she had uh, Buster Posey, Seth Curry, and Joe Montana were the only ones she weighed in with. Those three. That's right. And, and she also had the uh, she also had the Super Bowl twenty three game as her favorite game on our voice memo. And um, she talks about what she did. And she is as superstitious tell, as I am. Tell me something, Mark. Is that the one that came over the message or the the email? That the one I, I believe that's the one that came over. It's the longer one. It, I believe it's the one that came over the the uh, the text. Okay. Okay. Good. And here and, uh, he, here it goes. Okay. Okay. This is Nana again, Mom. Um, I uh, favorite players. Well, these are going to be easy. I'm actually probably. Oh, so this isn't it. One. All right. Yeah, wrong one. Here's the right one. No, my goodness. Dwayne Hard Radio. Favorite game of all time. Actually, it's a football game. It is the Super Bowl. It was actually played in 89, but it was for the 88 season. Uh, Joe Montana was Cincinnati. Boomer Esiason, I believe, was the quarterback. Um, for Cincinnati, we were watching it in Minneapolis. We had just moved there into an apartment. We hadn't bought our place yet. And it got down to the last two minutes of the game, and we were behind. So I got in the elevator. We lived on the 34th, the 33rd floor, whatever. I had a set of keys in my hand. And uh, the keys happened to have a logo, a 49er logo on it, a helmet. So I got in the elevator, and I decided to go down to the fourth floor, and then I went up to the ninth floor, and then I went up to the 16th floor. And I repeated that about three times. At one point, I went all the way down to the main floor to the lobby and there was a television set going and I looked at it and I'm not sure it was a good thing or a bad thing. I, I All I know is that I got back in the elevator and I repeated 4th, 9th, 16th. Got back to the apartment and your father, dad, grandpa just said, oh you should have seen that play. <laughs> <laughs> so, I they of course thank God played it over and over again. But see, I know that that's why they won is because that's what I did. Okay, um. <laughs> it's a, wrap it up, Nana. <laughs> it, John, you weren't a San Francisco guy. Were you rooting for Cincinnati? Uh, um, I boy, I have. Have to go back eighty eight. That was, was that was the icky that was the icky shuffle year, right? No, no, no. No, I, that I, was. I know that. I'm, I'm just trying to put myself where I was because I'd gotten back into doing theater in eighty eight, and I wasn't following sports too closely. My guess would be that I was cheering for the Niners because I loved Joe Montana, and uh, I've never had a lot of love for Boomer Esiason. So I'm going to go with I'm probably rooting for the Niners. I feel like a lot of people were rooting for the Bengals because that was such a fun. The icky shuffle became such a fun thing. But Mark won. Yeah, that was a good one. 
that was a good one. And thank goodness my mom did the, uh, you know, did the four, the nine, and sixteen for Joe Montana. And uh, thank goodness, John. <laughs> That's hysterical. So you, you know, do, you do, you do come by naturally. Clearly, I do. Nature, I do. not nurture, with that for you. And um, I think there is uh, there is one other game that we could hear from from Bruce. Uh, about his favorite game. Uh, that's Bruce Winnegar. It's the 1985 Finals. We got to wrap this up soon. My computer's now at 5%. All, All right. right. We'll get to it. If you could revisit or watch one game, what would it be? Uh, for me, uh, even though I was lucky enough to be at the uh, 1988 World Series game, game one, where Kirk Gibson hit the home run, and that was amazing and as far as being in attendance for a game uh, never topped uh i'm gonna pick the 1985 nba finals game six the lakers finally beating the celtics um after having just been mauled by them in the 60s and the uh also in the 80s uh with kareem and magic uh, the lakers had never beaten the celtics uh, even though the Lakers had great teams in the 60s with Elgin Baylor and Jerry West, and then, uh, you know, with Kareem and Magic, finally they got past uh, the Celtics in six games, uh, and it was extra sweet that they beat them at the Garden in Boston. Um, so that's the game. If I had to go back, and if I could go back and revisit or watch a game, it would be game six of the 1985 uh, NBA championship. And I know you're running out of power, John. I actually plugged it in during that because I was a member of your family, so I knew I had a lot of time. <laughs> and we have this other greatest game. He has an addendum to that. Now, I'm, you know, this is a little, uh, little inside baseball. Okay. But let's, let's go ahead. It. Let's go let's ahead and talk about like an amendment it. to my uh, game, a game that I would like to revisit and add, if I may, a game of Trivial Pursuit. I believe it was uh, in the year 2002 between myself and Mark Ferreira, where um, <laughs> Mark had every wedge uh, completed in his uh, Trivial Pursuit pie. All he had to do was land on the center of the game board, answer a question, and he would have won. And he would have won in uh, sizable fashion because I had no slices, no wedges done. And all he had to do was land in the middle of the board, answer a question, and it would have, the shutout would have been complete. However, Mark failed to do so. He failed to complete the task, which uh, wasn't really a surprise to everyone, <laughs> as Mark has struggled with task completion throughout his life. Uh, you could probably do a whole show on that uh, probably get a series out of that 10-parter. Um, but at any rate, I ended up uh, coming all the way back, getting all the wedges done, landing in the middle of the board, answering a question, and uh, completing arguably the greatest comeback in game history. I think if you Google it, it comes back as the greatest comeback, but also as the uh, biggest choke in game history. But uh, anyhow, wow. I'd like to add that to my uh, previous uh uh, pick of the Lakers. Thank you. Wow. I'm working All on right. that docu series as we speak. I'm telling you. Part. 
I wow, yeah, yeah. The first three parts part series on on Mark Ferrer not completing. T- oh, honestly, yeah. It's. I mean, we we all know this. Sense. We all we and all we all know this. It, Trivial Pursuit's a game yeah. that like guys like you and I that means a lot to us. Oh yeah, that's one because Ooh, I don't have any discernible skills uh, at all, but I do have a good head for useless minutia. Yeah, so exactly. it means means a lot to me. I vividly, I'm like a baseball player. Remember when he struck out? I remember Trivial Pursuit games. I lost in questions. I lost on. So yeah, Oof, See, boy. I don't remember any of the questions. I've blocked all that out. But boy, oh boy, do I remember that it was around Christmas time. And uh, yeah, I was poised to just dominate him. And then he came all the way back. Interesting that's, that's, tidbit. Uh, Trivial Pursuit was created in my friend's basement. Wow. Yeah, his <laughs> his dad's buddy from college uh, had a guy come stay with them for a while who was down on his luck. And uh, he spent his time in the basement creating Trivial Pursuit. Good Lord. Yeah, I've been eating donuts. He's no that. longer he's no longer struggling, by the way. <laughs> I guess not. Yeah. Wow. Very that's nice. I, there I, you I go. Thought you were going to say he's no longer with us. I, but d- I don't good. think he is with us either. So, oh, wow. Uh, well, yeah, the, so, the struggle yeah. is also real there. Bye. By definition, he's not struggling anymore. At right, all. right. No, no. We're, we're finally free of the struggle only then. Okay, so uh, um, to, to wrap up, John, I think, I think yeah. we're going to get a take from a, a, a very old friend of mine. We go way back. She was, uh, you know, very special back in the day. She still is. She's still very special to me. Uh, first girlfriend. And she, um, I don't know how many of our listeners remember the Lily Tomlin operator bit. I know you and I do. My mom, my dad, which, who doesn't listen to the show, he's, he, 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 he may listen, but he, he, would, he would get bored, you know, two, three minutes in. I saw it uh, on Nick at Night. Did you see Laugh-In? No, Nick at no, I've watched Laugh-In, yes, uh, on Nick at Night. Yes, I don't know that I saw this bit. So she's the uh, operator, and uh, she chimed in. I mean, uh, to me, I think that's she's a great sport. She chimed in. She she answered. And that's all the time we have, folks. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Good Lord, could you qualify these things anymore? Let's take a listen. Just play it. One ringy dingy. Two ringy dingy. Oh, excuse me. I'm calling. I'm calling with a question. Who had the nicest ass in the 1974 World Series? Thank you. Wow, seventy-four. That'd be the. Uh, that'd be I'd the say game. Reggie. I'd say Reggie Jackson. You know, I was a Gene Tennis fan, so I don't know. He was pretty doughy. <laughs> he had he had a great ass, especially in nineteen seventy-four. Oh, I mean, it was you, incredible. Oh God, people people from the places that used to employ Mark and I, and probably never will again, are listening to this. Just just reiterating there, we should never hire these guys with that question. Hey. Uh, we're not going to get uh, we're not going to get Dane Becker, who's going to take over this show, or could he not fit it in in thirty seconds? Because he was trying to follow the uh, trying to follow the rule to fit it in in thirty seconds. He didn't he didn't chime in uh, either verbally or uh, you know literarily. All right, okay, fair enough. But hey, so, uh, I know we're we're playing our out music, but we, we didn't are. get ours. I um, can stop that. And, uh, <laughs> we didn't get to ours, and I'm oh, just going to say mine. Super Bowl. Mine's the Super Bowl, Denver, Washington. I think it's 22. The Doug Williams game. That would be mine. Doug Williams game. That's a good one. And my favorite game, too, would be that same 1988. uh, uh, I'm sorry. Mine would be 1981, uh, the catch. 
That okay. was yeah. that. That's Fair. just uh, six turnovers by the Niners, and they still won that game in in obviously classic fashion. Jeff. Game five of the 1997 World Series because I was there. Marlins, Yankees. Oh, yeah. And uh, we do have some news. <laughs> so before we go, we should give them the news, John Pelkey. Oh, yeah. I forgot all about this. Folks, if this two-hour and 17-minute podcast isn't enough for you, after further review, we'll now be visiting you Three times a week, Mark Ferreira, Jeff Taylor. It has been decided we're going to expand the show. And we're going to promise you that we will keep it between 45 minutes and an hour. Right, John? We will will do what we did today and spread it out over three days. So it's, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Entertaining? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Instead of mind-numbing? We won't spend 20 minutes on our intro like we did today. I'll I'll say this, though. There is no clock that binds us so if it goes an hour and 15 minutes it goes an hour and 15 minutes it it could do that but we'll try to shorten it up we're going to do it uh, three days a week monday wednesday and friday so the next time when we're going to try and do this again like at 10 30 in the morning eastern standard time eastern daylight time and um and then have it posted later on that that evening yeah that's right because jeff taylor is that guy Right. Do that Shorter poll questions, as we learned today, though we did get yes. to talk about a lot of fun stuff. Uh, shorter poll questions, shorter show, uh, more succinct, three times a week. Once again, though, if you if there's something you want us to talk about, please let us know via social media. Our email is once again podcastafr at gmail.com. Let us know, uh, you know, if, you, if there's something you want us to talk about, because we didn't even get to a number of stories. But guess what, folks? We have nothing but time. That's right. That's right. But that wraps up us for episode four. After further review, for Jeff, for John, I'm Mark. We'll talk to you soon. This is the director's cut. Everywhere I go, I get slandered. Boy, you better get your bags and flee. You're in trouble, boy. And-